we will read, uh, we will pray afterwards. Hebrews, we're going to start in chapter 20, uh, tra- verse, chapter 9, verse 21. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray over our Bible study and teacher. Amen. Amen. Glad for everybody here this evening. All right. Now, if you are new to our Bible study, is that working? It is. Good. If you are new to our Bible study, we are in the book of Hebrews. We are uh, teaching this book that Paul the Apostle wrote. He wrote to a bunch of people that were uh, Jews who had gotten saved. They became Christians, but they lived in a Jewish community, and there was a constant pull for them to go back. Now, for them to go back to Judaism means they would end up Dying and going to hell. Because the only hope for a person to get to heaven is to be born again in Jesus. So to surrender Christ is to surrender the one and only hope we have to get to heaven. So there was an urgency in Paul's writing because he loved the people. He wanted them to be saved. And so he writes them a very detailed, a very um, evidence-laden book with all of these proofs that Jesus is better. And we've shared with you over and over how that Jesus was better than the high priest. We have a better high priest. That the new covenant was better than the old covenant. We have a better covenant. That uh, Jesus was better than Moses because they highly esteemed Moses. Jesus was better than the angels because they looked up to the angels since the angels had brought the law in their mind uh, to mankind. And then we got to this last couple of weeks, I know Reverend taught last week, but I was there the week before, how that the heavenly tabernacle was better than the earthly tabernacle, and that his blood is better than the blood of bulls and of goats. So we're there in verse 21, and I'm thinking hopefully this is going to work. Do you see that? Does that work? Nope, didn't work. All right doesn't work with the split screen. So we'll just keep on going. Now, in verse 21, he talked about how the Old Testament had 
everything sprinkled, it was, it was sanctified with blood. It was sanctified with blood. Now, we, we gave you the picture two weeks ago how that when somebody had sinned, they had to bring this innocent animal and the priest would have to kill the animal. The person that was guilty would have to watch this, hear the animal squealing, see their blood being poured out. If there was any humanity, any warmth in them, they, it would impact them. They'd have to understand, that animal is dying because of me. In the Old Testament, that innocent blood was mixed, and then they took a branch, and they used that branch, dipped it in the blood, and then sprinkled it on all of the things in the tabernacle, sanctifying it, cleansing it. So with that background, Paul's writing, the, the heavenly tabernacle had to be sanctified also. Now, the Old Testament, every year they had to repeat this. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago how that the high priest, how it must have been terrifying for him. To go into the Holy of Holies, he only got to do it, only one person got to go every year, and uh, it was just one day, the Day of Atonement. You remember I shared with you, he had bells around the bottom of his uh, robe. There was actually a rope that was tied to him, and how that he had to go through this whole motion, hoping he did it right, because if he did it wrong, God would strike him dead. And when the people outside no longer heard the, the jingling of the bells, they would pull him out by the rope. You remember that? Okay. So as Paul's writing, as Paul's writing, he's sharing with us that the heavenly tabernacle had to be cleansed also. All of the earthly tabernacles, the one that was in the Old Testament that they would set up and tear down, the temples in the New Testament, they all had to be sanctified by blood. So the one in heaven had to be sanctified also. Now, follow with me when we get down to it. Verse 21, moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Whoops. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So there had to be shedding of blood for sin to be, in the Old Testament, pushed, away, pushed ahead one year. But for us, there has to be shedding of blood to erase our sin. Going on, verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, meaning the earthly tabernacle that was made after the pattern of the heavenly tabernacle had to be purified with blood, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So remember, remember what the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is? Jesus is better. So you're catching this word again, right? Heavenly tabernacle had to be sanctified with something better. Old Testament, they had to sanctify it every year. They had to put the blood there. But in the, new ta in, in, uh, the heavenly tabernacle, he presented the blood once. And here's the, here's the, um, the, uh, the important phrase, once for all. He presented his blood once for all. Once it was done, he didn't have to go back in and do it again. And so Paul is saying it wasn't possible that the blood of bulls and of goats could take away our sin. But when Jesus offered his blood, because his blood is better, 
His blood took away our sin. He only had to offer it one time. It was a once-for-all sacrifice. I want you to understand something because this impacts our life. When you understand the importance and you understand the significance and the, the power of the blood of Jesus, then we understand that when I come to him and I confess my sin... And the Holy Spirit takes the blood of Jesus and applies it spiritually to me. My sin is washed away. Once it's washed away, I don't have to keep going back to it and repenting of it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I need to understand that so I can receive and accept the cleansing. You remember I told you that it wasn't the physical blood... The physical blood of Christ was presented in the heavens, but it's our faith in what he did with that blood that cleanses us. God, by the Holy Spirit, doesn't take the actual blood of Jesus and apply it to us. In the spiritual sense, he applies it in the spiritual sense. The blood that he shed is applied to our spirit and soul as we put faith in him. You still with me? All right. Going on. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. So, like I said, they had to keep on doing it year after year after year after year because that blood could never perfectly sanctify, cleanse them of their sin. So, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, remember that theme I was telling you once for all, once in the end of the world... Hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? What the blood of bulls and of goats could not do, what religion could not do, what giving offerings could not do, what uh, uh, self-sacrifice could not do, all of the works could not do, Jesus did once for all. His blood cleanses us. You've got to understand this because it, it should open your mind That it's not the works that I'm doing that gives me a right standing with God. It's the works that Jesus did. He suffered for me. I have righteousness because of him. It's important that you understand that because otherwise you might boast. Man, look at me. I'm really spiritual. And I, I dedicated myself and I broke away from drinking and I broke away from the drugs and I cleaned my life up because I am a powerful, mind, a powerful man in my mind and I disciplined myself. No, you didn't. If you did overcome one sin, if you did overcome one thing, the only way that you're ever able to completely eradicate sin and have your nature chained is because of what Jesus did. Going on. As it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, once to die is the rule. There have been a few exceptions to the rule. Think about it. How often has Lazarus, did Lazarus die? He got to die twice, didn't he? Died, Jesus rose him from the dead, died again. Been a couple other exceptions. Enoch and Elijah, they haven't died yet. Now, they're going to die in the future, but up until this time they have not died. There are others that have been raised from the dead. But the general rule is it's appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. Meaning there's no way to escape the fact that one day we will stand before God and give an account of our lives. There's no way to escape the fact that one day 
Everything that's hidden will be made known. It's a sobering truth. It should be, it should be a motivating truth. The fear of God maketh men depart from iniquity. The idea of us standing before God and having to account for every action and deed and thought and place we've gone and word, all of those things, having to account for all of those things should be a terrifying thought. It should drive us to rely upon what Jesus did for us. Because when he died, he accounted for all those things. And when I repent of them, I no longer have to give an account of them because I'm saying I sinned, I did those things, I repent of them, but I accept what Jesus did for me. It's important that the man wants to die after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that looked for him shall he appear the second time without sin Unto salvation. Christ, again, here's this the same thought once. He didn't have to be offered over and over and over again. There didn't need to be a yearly sacrifice. Think about it. Old Testament, when they had the, uh, the Day of Atonement, it really worked against them to a certain degree. Because every year you had to do what? You had to remember what you did. And so your sins... It was almost as if it was re, uh, uh, bringing them back up again, resurrecting your sin. It was a day of remembrance. And so when you continue to repent over a sin that you have actually one time asked God to forgive you of, you're bringing it back up again. You're not getting the freedom that Christ intended for you to have. He doesn't want you to repent of your sin if you... Maybe you, you uh, took something that didn't belong to you. And so you repent of it. God, forgive me. Now, he doesn't want you to wake up tomorrow and say, God, forgive me. And then tomorrow afternoon, say, God, forgive me. And then tomorrow night, say, God, forgive me. If you do that, you're really not having faith that he forgave you. Because if you have faith that he forgave you, you won't have to keep going back. So Old Testament and the blood of bulls and of goats couldn't take away sin. Matter of fact, all it did was dredge it up again. Every year you had to remember your sin. But when Christ came, his blood took the sin away. Hey, stay awake with me tonight. It's 30 minutes. It's all you got. Amen. Slap yourself. Slap the guy next to you, the lady next to you. Stay awake. Amen. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let me get this. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Okay, that's what it was. When you remember that old, that high priest going into the Holy of Holies once a year. And you remember the bells and the rope and all that stuff how he must have been terrified. But I want you to understand that the people outside were invested in what he was doing too. Because they were counting on him making the sacrifice so that they would be accepted by God for a year. If it didn't go right for the high priest, it didn't go right for the people. 
And so when the high priest came out of the Holy of Holies, the people were glad too because then they knew, oh, thank God. The sacrifice that he made was accepted by the Father. Therefore, our sins are not going to be held, uh, we're not going to be held accountable for our sins. It's been pushed ahead a year. So they were looking for the return of the high priest. Did you catch me? They were looking for him to appear again from the Holy of Holies. So likewise, we are looking for Jesus to come back. We know that his offering was accepted. We don't question that. But he said unto them that look for him shall he appear. And when he appears again, when he appears again, it serves as confirmation that the father has been fully satisfied with the son's sacrifice on behalf of the believers. Now, who is looking for him? Well, those who've made it right. It doesn't mean that if you're not looking for him, he's not coming back. He's going to come back one way or the other. It's either he comes back to those who are ready for him or he comes back to those who aren't ready. But he's coming back one way or the other. He wasn't saying that he's not going to deal with the people that aren't expecting him. But those of us who've had our sins cleansed, who are anxiously awaiting for his return, he will appear when he does confirmation. We are accepted. We're going to go to the Father. We're going to be with him. So i got five more minutes. Let me introduce to you chapter 10. Let's go. Chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. How many of you, if you can picture in your mind's eye, you're hungry and you go uh, across this side area here, and you see a shadow of a milkshake and a double cheeseburger. And you say, man. And then you know that if there's a shadow there, there must be a reality over there, right? Light shining. Now, we know, hopefully you're not silly enough to try to reach out and grab the shadow. You can't drink the shadow. You can't eat the shadow. So Paul is telling us here, the law had a shadow of good things to come. It didn't have the very image of the things. It could not give us perfect cleansing because it had to be offered time after time after time. And just the fact that we had to remember it shows us that we weren't fully cleansed. You follow? Okay. It couldn't make the comers there unto perfect. The law just couldn't do it. The law never intended to to fully do it. It was meant as an object lesson to show us we needed Christ. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Now, conscience, you probably understand this word. Con has the... the, the, uh, meaning of with, and science is knowledge. So conscience with knowledge. So we would no longer have knowledge of our sins if they've been cleansed. Why? Because God took our sins, cast them away as far as the east is from the west. We know they're dealt with. We don't carry them around anymore. The weight of sin, it breaks people. 
There are people that commit suicide because of the weight of sin. There are people that the rest of their life, they're weighted down because of the things that they've done. They're looking for a way to be cleansed and forgiven. And that's where the good news of Jesus comes in. He does not, he does not sanction what we've done wrong in the past, but he says, I will fully pay for it. And therefore the debt has been cleared and you can go forward without that knowledge of sin weighting you down. When I was, when I was in high school, some of you heard me tell the story before, they, they had a fundraiser with uh, chocolate bars. And uh, you could sell the chocolate bars, uh, and after you sold so many of them, I think they were a dollar a piece after a while, you got to keep 50 cents. And so they were making money, you were making money. It was, an in, it was an incentive for you to sell some, raise money for the school. Well, I also had a newspaper route. Sometimes at the end of the day I'd come home and I'd, I mean, I had a, a whole box of chocolate bars sitting there. And I'd think, well, really, though they cost a dollar, I get 50 cents back. They're really just 50 cents. And I could eat a chocolate bar now, and I'll pay the 50 cents later. Well, that was good the first day, then the second day, and then the third day. And then I started getting generous with my sister. She'd come around. I'd give her some chocolate bars. I don't remember. I think I had built up a debt of like $72 worth of chocolate bars. And this is back in 19... 80s. I mean, <laughs> that was some money. And I kept thinking, well, I'm going to pay it off when I collect on my paper route. But my paper route only gave me, you know, whatever it was, a little bit of money every couple weeks. So I never paid it off. And so everything kind of went around okay, except I'm bearing in the back of my mind this weight of $72 of chocolate bars. And the school was not unwise. They were not going to issue out report cards until you had paid off the debt. And so eventually, report card time came, and my dad started asking me, son, where's your report card? And I just lied to him. Now I wasn't a Christian. Well, dad, they haven't given them out yet. And then he asked me the next day or the next week, where's your report card? I don't know what's going on with these report cards. I mean, they just haven't issued them out yet. And it kept on going on. I can still remember it to this day. It's been 30 years or whatever, more than that, 40 years, 35 years. I was laying on the living room floor watching TV or doing whatever, and he came in and said, son, where's your report card? And I lied to him again, and he said those fateful words, son, I called the school today. The gig was up. Dad knew why I hadn't gotten the report card. Because I owed $72 or whatever it was in chocolate bars. And he was going to have to pay the $72. You see, that sin, it just doesn't go away, does it? You build up a debt and it just doesn't go away. 
Financial debt weighs on people, weighs on people, weighs on people. And they're looking for a way to get out from underneath it. Well, I'll borrow Peter to pay Paul, and I'll do this. And I, I heard Reverend talk about it in his, in his preaching. He said he had gone with uh, rice and beans for months. Man, bless your heart. I'm not sure I'm willing to pay off somebody that way. Amen. <laughs> Saving your money that way. But it just weighs on you. That's the same way with sin. And people try to drink it away. People try to get their mind involved in something, watch enough movies, spend enough time on the Internet, get involved with people, anything to not think about their sin. But there's a better solution. Remember the sin and then present it to God. God, I've sinned. I'm not going to make an excuse about it. I did it. Forgive me. And he'll say, son, I know you've done it. And I've already paid for it. And now that you've confessed it, I can cleanse it. i got to stop. My time is up. He said, wouldn't they have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Here's where I want to get to. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. I did my religious duties, but my religious duties did not cleanse me from my sin. There need to be something more. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Christ came to do what the blood of bulls and of goats couldn't do. He came to make a way for us to be forgiven. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we thank you. Your blood does what drugs prescribed by a psychiatrist can't do. Your blood does what occupying our mind can't do. Your blood does what alcohol can't do. It not only washes away the sin, it removes it to where we have no more conscience of it. You made us free. Lord, those that may be weighted down, weighted down with their failures, weighted down with their guilt, Father, I pray that they would just open to you, confess their sin, find deliverance and cleansing and victory. Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to be forgiven. And we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.